Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 146 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Schiff. There's a lot going on this week, as as always, in the world of the federal government, my friend. It's great to see you, uh, first of all. Um, but I, I think two of the most important developments revolve around your old agency and, uh, and, and an agency that's also a huge partner of that organization, and that's the Office of Management Budget and the Office of Personnel Management. Few people outside the Beltway, and many even inside the Beltway, understand just what OMB is involved in. It's got its fingers in everything in the federal government, not just the budget, but if you're a regulation, a speech, a memo, a management policy, uh, uh, all all of what you do has to intersect through OMB, because OMB is charged with overseeing the operations of the executive branch and making sure the president's plan, as it's called, gets executed as he would wish it to be executed. The Office of Personnel Management now has a nominee. President Biden has uh, nominated Kieran Ahuja to take over as the director of OPM. She has the advantage, I think it's an advantage, of having been chief of staff there uh, during the Obama administration. So this is a person who walks into that building, if she's confirmed, knowing exactly what is going on there now some pretty significant things have changed in the uh, in the four years that have gone by since she left opm there was the uh, merger that didn't turn into a merger of opm into the general services administration we talked about that quite a bit but i imagine that a lot of the challenges and problems and so on that she worked on and that she was aware of as the chief of staff there will be a lot of the same things that she has to deal with if she's confirmed as, as the director of OPM. I think that's right. One of the values of, of a change administration like the Trump administration is that you could break up some old bad habits. But I think any plan to improve OPM operations was just so badly managed that we did more damage than good. And so the new director has a lot of restoring to do a lot of rebuilding to do to the uh, uh, opm its mission its people its culture um you know where all the functions land probably is something that remains to be seen i don't think the the merger of gsa and opm is in 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 our future um uh, but you know I'll, i'll look forward to see just what kind of um strengthening of that institution goes on in the next several years and i think if we if I learned anything from the attempts to merge uh, OPM into GSA, it's that there were a lot more people than I thought that said that might not be the answer, but OPM needs a lot of help. OPM needs a lot of funk, uh, a, a lot of uh, upgrades, needs a lot of uh, just help. And so I think that that's an encouraging sign. Maybe everybody doesn't agree on, on what that uh, restoration, what that um, – uh, refreshment should look like or exactly what the priority should be but at least everybody agrees that maybe the constituents of OPM were not getting out of that agency what they should have been getting and so there's an opportunity here for Ms. Ahuja and the rest of the Biden team that comes in at OPM 
uh, to be able to, to make some changes there that, that do wind up benefiting the human capital community all across government. Well, I sure hope people don't lose sight of that, Francis. Uh, you know, people have short memories around here. And um, if, you, if you look at security clearances, retirement modernization, retirement administration, hiring, recruitment, retention, engagement, all of those are areas where OPM has not performed. And um, a candid admission that some performance improvement initiatives need to be put in place um, would serve the Biden administration in its execution of programs really well. I agree with your, your concept. And the reason I think that's important is because the administration has already made it very clear that um, revitalizing and refreshing the federal workforce as a whole, and not just through thought processes and policies out of OPM, is one of its big priorities. Uh, last week, Pam Coleman, the uh, person actually who has your old job at OMB um, running performance management, uh, said they find damage on an ongoing basis and they're working to try to mitigate that damage uh, to the federal workforce. And the president himself uh, did uh, a virtual event um, with federal employees not long after he took over. So there has been an ongoing effort, it seems to me, since noon January 20th to say to the federal workforce, we're on your side and we're thinking about what we can do to make your job better. Am I, re am I overstating it? Am I reading it wrong, do you think? I, I don't think so. Some easy steps were taken early. We no longer have a Schedule F. We no longer have an executive order that prohibits diversity training. Um, I, I think, you know, burrowing, I think, is, is something that has been nipped in the bud, at least to a large extent. And, and, the, and the merger we talked about is no longer taking place. Um, those are some easy, low-hanging fruit that the administration took to demonstrate that they're in a different place. The meeting you talked about with the uh, President Biden, when I worked for President Bush, he made a point of meeting with the senior executives in person every year. Um, and that small signal goes a really long way to restoring the extent to which federal employees feel respected and, and, and engaged in the mission of their agencies and the mission of whatever president is in office at the time. Uh, because we really do have a career, objective, nonpartisan civil service responsible for executing the plan of elected officials. Um, and um, hopefully you'll see engagement numbers improve, retention numbers improve. You, you'll see a, a real uh, improvement in the degree to which people want to come and serve in the federal government as a result of these policies. We're not done by a long shot because, you know, uh, you, you talk about low-hanging fruit, things that are easy for the administration to do, but they suffer from very high expectations. It's People are expecting a very supportive administration, one that's uh, well-managed and that understands the civil servant political appointee relationship. Those can all be damaged pretty easily, so... I hope the administration understands that. It's the little things and the big things. You know, it's it's one thing to have the performance management leader from OMB go out and say, uh, we're trying to find this damage 
and mitigate it. And that seems to me that's a big thing. That's an important person in the Biden administration saying directly to federal employees, we're aware of what's been going on. The little thing that I'm thinking of, and it's not the only little thing, but it's one, presidential rank awards are coming back this year. Um, they went away last year. The reason given was the pandemic and, and budget issues. But the presidential rank awards are right up there as maybe certainly one of, if not the most uh, distinguished awards that a federal employee can get. And the nice thing is there's a little, little something extra in the envelope that goes along with it that is a nice thank you for doing a wonderful job. And so I think that's one of these little things that even if you don't necessarily think you're eligible for one or have a chance to win one, just the fact that the administration, that the White House says this is important enough that we want to bring it back, I think is is significant. Yeah, our friend Steve Kelman wrote a blog post recently about research that shows managers don't uh, laud their employees enough for a job well done. This is a pretty easy thing. The fact that it was canceled is a crime. There was absolutely no reason to do that, no budget reason, no pandemic reason not to consider and make awards under that program. And you're right, a plaque is nice. Cold, hard cash is something altogether different, and there's substantial cash awards with these awards. But there are awards programs all over the government that are that are unrelated to the presidential rank awards, and those should be sustained, strengthened, scaled, reminding people that their public service is valued uh, with a piece of paper or cash. Both of them have a return for the taxpayer in the degree to which people want to come to the come to work every day and deliver for the citizens. All right. What else are you following right now? Well, I noticed GAO released its uh, biennial high-risk list. Oh, yeah. Um, and something I watched closely, the, the list dropped one issue but added two, so it's getting bigger. And we've certainly seen with the pandemic and the administration of these emergency response and economic recovery programs so quickly that some long-term management challenges have come home to roost. Our systems are need updating and haven't been able to kept up, keep up with the de demand. Strategic human capital, like we just talked about, is one of the, if not the top issue that's going to put the government's mission accomplishment at risk. Gene Dodaro, the Comptroller General, was on Government Matters on Sunday talking about the high-risk list, shameless plug. And one of the things that I noted in reading it uh, this year is you and I have talked about waste, fraud, and abuse. That's kind of a buzzword in this community. The term now on the high-risk list is waste, fraud, abuse, and mismanagement. And I, I have not gone back and looked at previous high-risk lists or other work from GAO. But I found that addition, whenever it came, whether it's on the high risk this year, this year for the first time or I missed it at some point in the past and it's something that's been in the mix, that interested me for some reason that that word mismanagement is now included with kind of the big three when it comes to what it is that inspectors general and, and overseers like GAO do, waste, fraud, and abuse. Because those things to me, when I think of those words, I think of these are really, really bad and we should be doing anything that we can to stump, stamp them out. And 
when I think of mismanagement, I think of that as somewhat more innocuous. I think of that as something that, well, when it happens, that's really too bad, but it's kind of a shame and not something that's like really awful and we really need to, to blow it away as quickly as we can the way that I think about waste, fraud, and abuse. Well, if you look at vaccine administration, for instance, the government paid a lot for a system that doesn't work. That's wasteful. But not having a plan in place to distribute and administer vaccines as quickly as possible to people whose lives are at risk, that's not wasteful. That, that's not abusive. No one did that intentionally. And it's not fraud. So mismanagement has real consequences. And I think that is the basis for adding that term. I'm not one to really quibble over uh, terms like this. Also, waste, fraud, and abuse gets a bad rap because so many people have pointed it to it as a panacea for solving our budgetary woes, which you and I know uh, is is not going to happen. Nonetheless, all those four things cause real consequences for the American people that should be stamped out. What you said there a moment ago made me think of improper payments and the Defense Department, a stat that I had on the program not too long ago, was that DOD thinks it has improper payments down to 1.7%, which if you just look at the number, you'd go, that's pretty good because there's a lot of agencies that are a lot higher than that. And then 1.7% of the Pentagon's budget, the number was, I think it was 11.7%. Four billion or eleven point seven billion dollars, and even just the fact that I'm laughing about the distinction between eleven point four billion, like like point three billion dollars, which I'm thinking about as just a, a a goof from writing numbers down, is an amazingly huge amount of money that is still going the wrong direction. So yeah, remember, President Obama called it the Department of Improper Payments. That some of these. Improper payment numbers are so big, they they eclipse the size of some big departments and agencies. A lot we've uh, covered this week and a lot we weren't able to, my friend, but it's great to see you as always. And a terrific lineup coming uh, along the way. We're going to talk about chief financial officers and what they're up against because of the pandemic. We're going to meet the Air Force's chief data officer in a couple of weeks. Um, We're going to focus on customer experience, so lots of cool stuff coming. A busy spring. Thank God it's spring, too. Thank God it's spring. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grand Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.